Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, this episode is brought to you by my very own NLP practitioner course. I've been teaching neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, for nearly 15 years. It is the most powerful tool for communication on the planet, and it can be yours today. For a very limited time, I'm giving away my entire NLP course workbook for free. Go to nlpwithmatt.com. All the patterns, all the tools, and the techniques of NLP in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. NLPwithmatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. Hey, what's going on, my friends? Welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. It's Matt Browning, your host. I'm ready for, man, what another great week this has been. Uh, working in the business, working on the business. And I know you're doing your thing as well. So without any further ado, I want to get to some of the, the juicy content for this week so you have something great to hear over the weekend as you're driving, as you're working out, as you're sleeping. Some people say they go to sleep with me and they fall asleep with an AirPod in their ears. Good for you. Good for you. You never shut off your, your entrepreneur spirit. Today, I have a guest, uh, Tracy Trim, uh, Trim. Tracy Tim is with me, T-I-M-M. And she's a career clarity expert and human capital advisor. She's the founder and creator of The Ninth Degree, which is a proven methodology for career clarity and st- sustainability. Um, she also has a degree in behavioral psychology. I want to get to that from Yale and done grad work in design thinking. Whatever that's going to be, let's find out what design thinking is. Um, uh, from doing a semester at sea. And she's done her work over the last five years, helped hundreds of professionals secure their dream jobs. Um, it's all about getting you into your dream, into your passion, not being stuck in a prison cell working at a job that you hate. I think we should change that. And it's all about going from stuck to unstoppable. You've seen uh, Tracy all over the media. She's been on TV. She's been uh, in print media galore and even I think I saw on, on her website, there's even a great picture of her being interviewed by Oprah. I want to get to all that stuff and more. Without any further ado, Tracy, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Matt. I'm doing really great. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yay. So we got Yay. connected through, uh, through <laughs> our glorious friend, uh, Tom, down in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So shout out. Yes. Thank you so much, Tom. And Interview Valet, because you guys rock. It's one of the best companies out there. Uh, connecting people like us. So I want to say thanks to Tom. And I know you said how much you uh, you adore Tom and the team down there. I absolutely do. They're incredible to work with. And uh, they have really helped me take my business uh, to the next level. And I love doing these. I love podcasts. But as you know, you know, it, doing interviews can, can become almost like a full-time job, just like pursuing speaking engagements. And you entrepreneurs out there know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's always nice to have a partner in crime to... Uh, to talk, you know, talk you up when you're not around. <laughs> it, it is, it is. And I realize I, I don't, uh, I don't throw uh, enough plugs their way. So I just want to say thanks, Tom. So Tracy, you t- tell me, just let's start kind of the beginning when you're growing up. Um, you know, you clearly have this, this, uh, this personality, you're out there, like, I, I get I get the vibe right away. We've been chatting for a few minutes offline before we went to tape. Um, what were you like growing up? Were you always like out and about and 
center of attention? Are you a little mini entrepreneur, <laughs> lemonade stand girl, or were you going down a different path and something kind of switched you? That's such a fun question. So, um, gosh, yes, I've always been, as far as I can remember, outgoing um, and and wanting to meet people, talk to people. I remember being in high school and I um, I was not like a popular kid per se, but I was friends with everybody. I kind of was one of those floater people who knew everybody in every little friend group. Um, but I was what you might call and what I have deemed myself a uh, a black belt box checker kid. Like if you gave me a box to check, it was going to get done and it was, and I was going to be the best. So if I was going to have to go to school, I was going to get A's and not just A's, but 99s and hundreds, you know, I was going to play an instrument, uh, which I did (laughs) in middle school, saxophone, shout out. Uh, Then I was going to be first chair, you know, and, and what my lifelong, uh, because my dad was really into sports and athletics my lifelong pursuit was actually sports. Um, I started playing softball when I was like, I don't know, four years old and, uh, on my first team by eight, won a national championship when I was 12, like, like very elite level kind of stuff, uh, which all of that sort of, you know, came together to equal going to the school that I did and playing softball there and, and, you know, on with the rest of my life. But yeah, I, I what, took like what were your a little bit like of at that a, time though. So, oh, sorry, Lord. I just want to just come. Sorry, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> this is no, good. Uh, I just want to come back so and say, my, what, what do your mom and dad like in this case? Are are they uh, pushing you for yeah. this? Are they allowing you? Does it? Because I'm really, I'm really yeah. curious about that early childhood psychology side of what oh, drove Lord, you, do yeah. you believe, to be so excellent and, and to need to do that or to want to do that. So part of it's definitely my hardwiring. I can remember from a really young age being anxious and feeling like I needed to perform. And then I think, um, and, and that even goes back to like, I'm five years old and, and being graded for like how well I would behave in church, (laughs) which my mom always is like, why do you tell people that we did that? They did it because they knew what would, what would motivate me. And they knew how to parent. I mean, brilliant on, I, I think. So, um, so when it really comes to my parents though, so my dad was a lifelong athlete himself. Uh, he actually played football in college at U of I opposite of Dick Buckus, which is the reason he quit football, uh, <laughs> coincidentally. And, uh, and then my mom had, had been a musician growing up and, um, had nothing to do with athletics her whole life. I don't know if she's ever uh, run a mile. God bless her. And uh, anyway, I was an only child as well. So there was just a lot of focus on me and not a lot of focus on, on obviously anybody else. And I think part of my dad's uh, motivation for all of it was he did not have a whole lot growing up and he didn't really have a very functional parental relationship. Uh, so I think that he saw a lot of just raw talent in me that he could nurture. And because of that, you know, I, I did get pushed. I got pushed really hard. I was, I was playing, you know, softball every season of the year and never got a break. And I vividly remember, you remember when Facebook first came out and like Facebook groups were a thing and you, you know, join these different groups that had funny names. Um, I was in a group called, I can't, I have softball. <laughs> so it, 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 uh, it, you know, it was just like a part of our lives growing up and, and he really pushed me and it, it created a rift for us for a long time because man, I just wanted to be a kid. I wanted to go on a date or go to a party. And, and here I was like working full time outside of school, you know, on this craft, if you will, and performing really high in school. 
And so I was just always busy. I was a really busy kid. Um, but there was just, yeah, I think part of my psychology is just this performance mechanism. And for the longest time, I think I got indoctrinated into this idea that if I won, then I was valuable and worthy and lovable and that sort of thing. Um, and it took a long time into my, into my adulthood, which I'm only 32, but I remember maybe, I don't know, seven years ago or so I was in a yoga class and I just had this breakthrough, like, Oh my God, all this anxiety is because I have to be the best. (laughs) And it's not just my best. It's like the best. Um, and, and that you can do maybe when you're in high school and you're, and you're, you know, ranked against everybody else or you're on a softball team and you're ranked against everybody else. But man, when you're out in the real world, Right. How do you do that with the entire earth? The best. Yeah. (laughs) So I really had to unlearn some of that. Um, and, and thankfully, you know, uh, my, I have an amazing relationship with my mom. We're like freakishly linked, like Gilmore girls level. And then, uh, my dad, before he passed away three years ago, we really had an amazing turnaround in our relationship. And, um, and he was just an amazing supporter of everything that I'm doing now. So, you know, childhood, I love, I, I could, you and I could just dine out on that because of my psychology background. I, I find all of that really fascinating. I think we could. I, I find usually, and I don't know if this, you might be the exception, but usually we, we dive into that subject and that industry wide because uh, we need it. We want to figure ourselves yeah. out. Um, yeah. So yeah. What, what was the plan coming out of Yale? You know, at that point, are you like, hey, I'm going to go open a practice or I'm going to go work somewhere? <laughs> Tell me about kind of the early <laughs> dreams, uh, if there is one. Uh, career-wise, you know, for that first, uh, no, I don't know, I guess from Mm -hmm. 18 to 25 or so going to the yoga studio. Sure. You are amazing in that you gave me the, uh, (laughs) what what do I want to call it? You assume that I had a plan. So much appreciated. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I did not. Tell me Um, what the non-plan was. Oh Lord. Okay. So basically I, um, so coming out of high school, I was being recruited to play softball. I ended up looking at North Carolina, Stanford, and Yale. Those were my last three, which was great because I had two schools that were really similar in that they were top 25 softball programs. They were pretty good at, you know, obviously Stanford and North Carolina, not shabby academics. They were not in Texas, which was a big goal. Um, but for some reason, they just didn't feel like home. And Yale was just this beacon of like, your your people are here. You're, you're supposed to be here. And um, I have a... Uh, a pretty strong faith. And so I just, I thought, prayed a lot and was like, this is the only thing that keeps coming to me. So Yale was kind of a total random thing that, you know, both of my parents went to um, state schools, both in Illinois. My mom went to Northern and my dad went to U of I and I was living in Texas. I grew up born and raised in Texas. And so so I go there and, and, and just have my worldview completely opened, right? Like I grew up in Flower Mound, Texas, and now I'm in New Haven, Connecticut with like a quarter international students and a quarter gay students and a quarter Jewish students. And like, I'm playing a sport, but I'm playing a sport at an academic school and I'm trying to figure out what I want to study. And man, it was just, at first it was super overwhelming and very confusing. But when I look back on it, it was just this amazing look at how big the world is. Like, look at all the things that are possible. So my view went from, hey, I'm looking for a husband in four years and I'm thinking I I might have kids (laughs) shortly thereafter to, wow, like there are women out here doing all kinds of crazy stuff and, and just working and researching and exploring and traveling. And like, that looks pretty cool. Um, 
But that being said, I didn't break away from my whole box checking thing until I was forced to. So, you know, freshman year goes by, I'm still trying to get A's. Sophomore year goes by, I'm still trying to get A's. By then I had figured out I wanted to major in psychology because I'd always loved people. But still I'm thinking, where in this realm can I make the most A's, right? Junior year goes by, same thing. Fall of of senior year rolls around and now everybody is freaking out. Like, I don't know if you've ever been on an Ivy League campus with seniors in September, but like the pressure to have your job figured out immediately and the number of uh, info sessions and career fairs and oh my God, it was like, I, I can't even, it's probably what med school students feel like when they go through that whole matching process and it's just, you know, incredibly stressful. And anyway, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew what I didn't want to do, which was um, go into psychology as a profession. So I I had no desire to research. I had no desire to stay in academia. and And I definitely knew that I wasn't ready to be like a counselor, you know, or a psychiatrist, if you will. Um, mostly because I hadn't figured myself out, let alone <laughs> did I think I could do that for other people. Um, so I just wandered around a career fair and I stumbled on my first job, which was working for, <laughs> you're going to laugh at me. Uh, it was working for an investment bank on a trading floor in high yield and distressed credit. Obviously, so I that was going to be my, that was my first, right? my first, uh, uh guess. Doesn't this whole story just lead up to that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a foregone conclusion. Uh, now, yeah. What, what, so, what in the world drew you to that? And yeah. how did you, can make I tell the, you the, how did you make the decision or how did they make the decision as a psychology major? Was it money psychology or something so totally different? Lord. So the honest truth, Matt, is that, um, that's my all we friend do here, Holly. Tracy. That's all we do, the honest truth. <laughs> this is so embarrassing though. Okay, so my friend Holly comes running over at the career fair and she and I are still friends to this day. I'm actually gonna see her in a few weeks. Uh, she runs over and she's like, oh my God, there's this, there's this company that's based in Scotland and I've been talking to them. And she had spent the previous semester studying abroad in Scotland. And so she was really excited about talking to them. Da, da, da. It turns out it was a bank based in Scotland, but their offices are in New York, obviously, right? So then she, she's like, and guess what? And I said, what? And she said, um, they're hiring salespeople. And the reason that that was interesting to her and she knew it was related to me is because I had spent the entirety of my college career every summer selling cut cone knives. Come on, come on. Those, <laughs> yes. hey, those scissors cut a penny. They cut those a freaking penny. And I got them because of that reason. They're amazing, right? So I still, to this day, I use my Cutco every single day. I even have the cookware. Hey, Um, amen. Yes, I I got a five-part spatula spoon series because those guys are great salespeople. And and I Mm -hmm. fell into the trap sales guy myself in real estate at the time. And I was like, you know, you're so good at this. I'm going to buy your stuff. And he's like, oh, thanks. And that's that was his whole gimmick, man. Yep. See, it's amazing. Come on. (laughs) I love it. All right. So yeah, I was... I was really good at it. I was really good at it. And, uh, you know, one summer I was like the number 34 salesperson in the country. And at the time there were like 40,000 of us, I think, traipsing around carrying knives. And uh, we called it slinging blades. And so I had told all of my friends, you know, that was what I was doing every summer and I was making great money. It was how I got to pay for my trip to Italy abroad one summer and all kinds of great stuff. Right. So she runs over and she puts these two things together, Scotland and sales. And so I go over and I start talking to them and it turns out, you know, by sales, they really mean account management and client entertaining. Um, 
or at least that's what I thought it was. And uh, the one of the heads of the North Americas was actually a Yale grad himself. And so he liked to come on campus every year and talk to the seniors and recruit actively. And so I made friends. I made, that's, this is what I'm good at. I made friends with him. Holly and I went to the info session. We went and got lychee martinis with him afterwards. And he's probably the reason that I had, that I got that first job. Um, and I, I went into an interview like the <laughs> Matt, I spent the entire night. Well, first of all, I didn't even get an interview. Like it was very clear that this was a random shot in the dark for me. And so they didn't even give me an interview. I got a call the day before the actual interview process started. And they said, Hey, some kid got the swine flu and can't come to his interview (laughs) slot. Do you want it? Uh, So I said, okay. And I went and I spent the whole night before reading msnbc.com and like, memorizing facts about the Dow and trying to, you know, talk about emerging markets. Like I, I, all of it, I had, it was like Chinese pouring out of my mouth. So the next day I show up like ready to dazzle them. Right. And it was two guys who worked on the trading floor. They're salty vets and they, all they cared about was fit. Because if you work on a trading floor, you're sitting next to the same people all day, every day for 12 hours a day indefinitely. So if you don't like that person or you can't get along, that's kind of in some senses, more important than how prepared they are to do their job. Then they, you have to be smart. You have to learn fast. You have to be able to like handle stress. Right. But, but yeah, they were just like, listen, this has been the most fun we've had in an interview all day. You're definitely going to round two (laughs) and, uh, and you know, don't worry about it. And so I, I mean, I did the super day thing and a lot, a lot of interviews after that. And I, that was my first job. And I got paid a bunch of money and I got a great signing bonus and I got a huge check at the end of the year every year. And it set me up for the rest of my life, truly. Well, first off, that I mean, that's incredible to, to have that as your first job, kind of accidental, and then to stick with it and and to be able to get set up. You know, like, that's a phenomenal thing. I fell into real estate and mortgage lending at 18. Uh-huh. I, I, don't, I didn't pick it. I don't know anything about it. I just, you know, yeah. some some guy, Joe and Ed brothers, they picked me and they saw me. Uh, out of high school and we met and they said, why don't you come work for us? And I was like, ah, I worked at Sizzler. I'm good. You know, (laughs) like I'm, I'm on the way to lead salad bar. I'm going to be okay. And and, I I went to work for him. And then all of a sudden it turned into basically setting me up and understanding things I didn't know I wanted to know. So from that point though, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're working this uh, on the floor and doing that. At what point do you hit this? Did you hit a moment of like, you know what, this is not what I'm called to do. I have something bigger to do, something different, or was it again kind of, you know what? People started asking me for career advice, and now you fall into this. How how did you? Ooh, first I wish it was the latter. Want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I really do wish it was the latter, um, but it wasn't. It was. Um, I, I find that when you hate your job, like like viscerally, miserably employed, you know, yeah. <laughs> like you drag yourself there every morning, you wish your commute was longer, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Uh, it, the, the amount that you allow yourself to accept that fact comes in waves. So the truthful answer to your question is probably like day five. I was like, Oh no, (laughs) did I just make a huge mistake? But I was still so new. I barely knew what was going on. And so I chalked it up to like learning curve and, you know, overwhelm and just like plugged away, right? Like just kept on going. And then maybe like six weeks later, the same thing happened when we, when we finished up our, uh, we had to do this very awful song and dance of sitting on every, uh, every desk on the trading floor and then 
they chose who they liked the best and we ranked which desks we liked the best and we sort of got sorted. This is horrible, like six weeks of trying to impress people. So I had this feeling again. And then six months into it, um, I had had a lot of things change about my role. I went from an analyst to a salesperson within three months, which is like unheard of and, uh, and was put on the floor because the woman that I was covering for had gone out on maternity leave. It was this whole big thing. So I had this, uh, you know, wave of realization again, really, I, I had to leave that job because it, it, it changed the person that I was like, it, it took my soul from me <laughs> in, in the, in the weirdest way. So it was really two years in, uh, and I, I had just sort of like accepted the fact that this was how work was, that everybody was this miserable, that everybody didn't like, you know, going into work. It was just what they did for money. And like, this was going to be my reality. And I had a conversation with a coworker of mine. Uh, we used to take a break once a day and, and for five minutes, cause that's how long we got. And we go walk around the terrace outside we'd come back down we'd go right back to our jobs. And that day there was some construction going on near the building. And I just casually noticed it cause it was in the periphery. And all of a sudden this guy just turned on a dime and started gushing to me about how he had studied engineering in college and how he loved construction and, and exactly what they were doing on the bridge and what the guy on the top of the bridge was doing, the guy under the bridge was doing and types of cement. And like, he just went, you know how, like when you gush about something and you forget that there's another person around, mm -hmm. you're just like in your own world, he was gone. And I just stared at him because I'd worked with this guy for a year and we had gone out, we had had drinks, we had like, we were friends, you know, and I had never once seen him do that about anything related to the work we did or anything that he talked about in his personal life. And this light bulb went off for me where I was like, oh, it was like a reminder that that was possible. You know, like I had gone nose blind to the idea that you could like what you did. And, and, and he woke me up. He literally woke me up. And that was the realization that I needed to go, oh, wow. Like that's the gold standard. That's how I want to feel. You know, it still took me a while to finally quit. Um, in fact, I, I had how long did it take you? Another six months. <laughs> Isn't it incredible how we do that? Yeah. Tell me, psychology major, why do we stay in a relationship we know is over for six months? Why do we stay in a job that we know is over for six months? What's the number one reason? It's cognitive dissonance. There's actually yes. a term for it, right? So cognitive dissonance, you know this, I think yep. it's by your reaction. Um, it's it's that your body and your mind cannot coexist very long when they believe two different things. So if you say that you're a person of integrity and then you lie for whatever reason, then either you, you have to change your belief around what a lie is, or your body lives in this, in this angst, in this turmoil that it's just, it's not sustainable. Right. So we explain away how we really feel. So and we can do it for probably about six months until it finally something's got to give. And like you said, you either yeah. change your, your perception or you change that. Yeah. So, so you change it and you decide you're going to a new path. Um, yes. Tell me kind of just briefly about, cause I want to get to a little bit too of like what we should actually do if we sure. feel stuck. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But tell me a little bit about how you made the leap of, you know what, I'm actually going to help people do this because you're just now doing this for yourself at this point, right? Correct. Changing careers yes. and whatnot. Yes. What was what was the leap from I'm changing my own career to one day this is going to be the thing I do? Oh, coming okay. yeah. or 
or did you go after it again? Was it accidental on purpose? I don't so want had, to get a plan. Yeah, I had two distinct moments. <laughs> Thank you again for because <laughs> I certainly right? didn't most of the time. I love it. No, none of us do. Um, yeah. That's the thing, right? It's like we let life happen to us, and we hope that you know our reactions or our responses are going to get us where we want to go, and we never do anything pro- proactively. It's 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 insane. So the first. Uh, idea that I ever had that this was going to be viable and that this was something I could do, that this was like my commissioning was that I, um, this was about two years into this job. This was after I had this sort of awakening moment. It was before I had the, I'm so miserable. I need to quit moment. And I called up career services at Yale and said, Hey, like I'm two years out of school. I'm an alum. I think about donating, (laughs) you know, like, can you guys help? Um, you know, I don't need an introduction to another bank. I don't need a resume rewrite. I don't need a cover letter. I don't need any of that stuff. I need clarity. Like I, I would run out of the front door of this place now if I knew where I was running to. The only thing keeping me here is just not knowing. I just don't know. And I, I'm too close to the problem to figure it out myself. And I'll tell you what, and this is, this is nothing against the Yale Career Service Center. They're amazing. They, I've worked with them since then. They do great work. But the reaction I got was, we don't have anything for that. you know. And they didn't. They didn't have like, hey, this is a program we recommend, or this is a book that you should read, or this is a person you can talk to. You know, They just, they had career counselors. And if that person couldn't figure it out with you, then you were kind of SOL. And I remember hanging up the phone and just being like, huh, like, not only is that disappointing, <laughs> but I can't be the only one who needs this, like who, who, who has so much potential and so much they want to give to the world and a good heart and, and a, and a good work ethic and is, is like dying every day in their job. And if they could just unleash that potential somewhere, like who knows the impact that they, that they could have. And they know that about themselves, but they're stuck because they don't know where that potential should be channeled, you know? And that was just this like awakening moment where I was like, huh, well, if I wanted to do that, if I wanted to help people do that, how, how would I do it? And so I figured what I needed to do was live it myself in a very messy way, which I ended up doing over the next two ish years after I quit and, uh, and then reverse engineer my discovery process and make it more efficient, make it faster, make it easier, make it less painful, um, and then test it out with people. And so that's exactly what ended up happening. I, um, I went on my own journey of self-discovery. Uh, it took about two years and it took a lot of humble experiences. I got fired from a job. I waited tables and my old boss from my from my Wall Street days, came in and sat in my section. No joke. Oh, like that wonderful. Really, wow, I was what like, happened to you, Tracy? Of all the gin joints, like I'm in Dallas, Texas. This guy lives in like Darien, Connecticut. I'm like, who, what, uh, really? <laughs> Just so many of these humbling experiences where I, I got really raw and figured out how could I leverage my previous experiences? How could I show up as myself and add value and not be a liability? the way I'm hardwired, you know, how can I, like, like what you said, one of the reasons, um, that we, that we allow ourselves to stay in these crappy places is explaining things away. Well, how can I own my values so much that these bad choices aren't even choices, AKA, how can I have the same kind of standards around my career as I might about dating? Um, you know what I mean? 
And, yeah, and going after the career now. Yes, so when you yeah. start making this, and I want to kind of jump into how, so if you feel stuck and if you're feeling like you're not in your dream job, yeah, um, you created this thing called a free dream job guide. Yes. Um, and you can find that, by the way, guys, at Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, Tim, T-I-M-M, TracyTim.com slash driven. And you go right there. And there's actually a lot of cool stuff on that page. You can even book a time with Tracy and your team to chat and, and figure out what you want to be doing and how to do this. But grab yeah. the free dream job guide. What do you find in that? Why is it so important? Um, and who really, really needs it? Is it just the person who's dying in their job? Is that basically it? Uh, okay. So there, no, the answer, the short answer is no. There are a lot of people out there who need this, but I find that if you're not at the point where you are in enough pain to motivate a change, or you have enough white space in your life to motivate proactively leveling up, then you're going to explain this away to yourself. Like I have conversations with people to this day where I'm like, you're not in enough pain yet. You know, like I hear that this is something you're thinking about and you say that you want it, but you're all, you're all too willing to put money in the way, to put time in the way, to put, uh, you know, your salary or your benefits or your days off or whatever limiting beliefs you have in the way of exploring, not just what you can make work, but what would be ideal. So I say that not because I'm trying to be mean, but because it's a challenge. So if you're out there and you're going, ah, is this for me? I don't know. It, <laughs> Brendan Burchard, who's this great influencer um, in the entrepreneurial space, specifically in like selling your own intellectual property, has this great video called When to Quit. And within the first five seconds, he's like, listen, if you're looking for a sign that it's time to quit, that's the sign. The sign is that you're looking for a sign. Like, let that be enough, you know? And how great is that? Yeah, that's who this is for. Is like, if you're looking for a sign, that's your sign. If you're miserable more than one day a week, that's your sign. If, if you come home and your family, like, it doesn't get the best version of you because you had to waste that at the office every single day, or you're spending so much energy changing who you are to perform at the job that you go to every day that you don't have any energy left when you get home, let alone enough energy to do the job you're asked to do. That's your sign. I mean, we settle for so little in a world where we've never had more possibility, more opportunity, more diversity of choice and outlet. And oh my God, Matt, like there's so many ways to make money. There's so many ways to make money. There, it's just, it's fascinating to me that we continue to limit ourselves in old school thinking when I guarantee you, if you and I hopped on the phone and you know what your niche is, you know what's ideal for you, we could find a way for you to make good money doing that. And probably pretty quickly too. Well, that's <laughs> exciting stuff. So listen, if, if you're listening to this and what Tracy's speaking is truth and you're like, yes, I would love to make more money. I'd love to find a dream career. I'd love to see if there's a better fit for who I actually am and how I'm built. Make sure you go over to tracytim.com slash driven. You can also follow Tracy on LinkedIn at tracytim, T-I-M-M, and Instagram, uh, your new cool Instagram, all for this is called Journey to Your Dream Job. Yes. Make sure you check that out and follow Tracy and the team there. Um, as we wind down here, Tracy, I know we're, we're coming up right on that time and I want to let you get back to uh, get back to <laughs> coaching dream jobs and dream, dream careers of, of how you went down this path and how mm -hmm. you got to where you are. If you looked back and gave yourself advice, 
Um, what would you change along your way or would you leave it all the same? Oh boy. Um, wow. What would I change? So if I actually am a believer that I made the best decisions I could with the information that I had at the time. And that gives me a lot of peace, but I, I would, I would challenge my, my younger self to, to make fewer fear-based decisions. Meaning I, I allowed fear to dictate my choices for a long time, like fear of the unknown, fear of, oh my gosh, losing money, fear of not being able to take care of myself. At one point I was afraid I was going to be homeless. And one of my girl, one of my best girlfriends was like, you would live with me and you would be fine. Like, don't put artificial limitations that are based in fear in front of exploring and finding what you were made for so that you can give your gift to the world. So I would just say that I was never as stuck as I felt. And I wish there was some way to tell my younger self that, but, but again, every decision I made has, has led to where I am now. And this is a good, it's a good place. It's a really good place. It is a good place. Um, Tracy, (laughs) so great to connect with you. Thank you for coming on and spending some time with us and the driven entrepreneur crowd and let's do it again soon sometime. Thanks, Matt. I would love to, I would love to. This is awesome. I love what you're doing for the world. So keep on. Thanks, Tracy. Hey guys, that's the show for this week. And thanks, man, to, to Tracy, Tim. Uh, what an amazing story, really. You know, almost the accidental entrepreneur, but yet just get out there and doing something and making it happen. And you can do that too. Remember, check out tracytim.com slash driven. And you can grab the free dream job guide. She also has strategy sessions with her and the team available um, to really just to sit and walk through and, and figure out is there a way out? Is there a way into what you want? Is there a way out from what you don't want? I can't encourage you enough to go check this out. Um, Tracy's one of those few people who really, really knows what she's doing in this space. It's not a job she fell into, as you know. It's something uh, really worth doing. Also, follow Tracy on social media, Tracy Tim on LinkedIn, and Journey to Your Dream Job on Instagram. And hey, make sure you follow me in the podcast, at Matt Brawny on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Twitter! I'm everywhere, at Matt Brawny, and you can find me there. And if you haven't already, uh, make sure, remember, this is coming live, of course, to you. But you can also always get this show on demand anywhere you get podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all the rest of it. Uh, And head over to iTunes. Give me a five-star rating and review. Let me know if you're loving the show. Let me know what's going on. Let me know who you want to have next. I'm always looking for suggestions. Hey, get out there this weekend and crush it. I'll see you next week.